the, the picture that we just saw on the screen is um, something that I guess would rightly be called a miracle. That it's just almost unthinkable that that could happen. And those of us who have had the Lord in our life may have experienced something like that. I've seen some of you experience some miracles. Um, there was a gal in our church in Oklahoma that uh, had a kind of a, she, she decided she would go away from home and perhaps home was a little repressive. I, I wasn't aware of it being repressive, but uh, her lifestyle shifted to uh, one that was not very um, glorifying to God. She, she got married. She wrote a bunch of hot checks in her maiden name in the county where she grew up and where her parents still lived. Um, she and her husband were involved in drugs and they moved to the West Coast and uh, they drained the 401k of dad. And finally she showed up back in Stevens County where she grew up and was promptly arrested and was in jail. So she had uh, a marriage gone bad and, and a criminal record and there was not any way to blame her husband for these bad checks because they were written in her maiden name. It, just, it was just a mess. And she was for weeks in Stevens County Jail. And when I would call on her why we'd pray and things begin to change and the the people at the jail uh, begin to try to work with her and the county prosecutors try to work with her and she went along and found out that she could um, repay these bad checks and there would be no criminal record there and she did that and it was a hard it was a hard thing to do because quite a bit of money and then found out that her husband, put that word in quotes, please, had um, a wife when he married her. And so she had no record of marriage. And it was like she went through all of this crummy stuff and did a whole bunch of stuff to take her life down. And uh, when she turned back to the Lord, he just began to take that stuff off. Now, he doesn't have to do it that way, but he can. And it was really a good experience for me because I had never seen anything quite like that. Where the, where the civil thing of the marriage and the uh, criminal thing of the uh, bad checks, God just expunged. And there's not any record. Nothing. And the last time Eunice and I saw her, she was married to this guy that had come to the Lord in our church there. And, and they were working in another church. They'd moved to another city in Oklahoma. And... Uh, it was a wonderful thing. God can rescue you. He can rescue you. And if you are worried that um, he's going to ruin your life, he ruined that part of her life. And there's stuff he can ruin. But to those of us who have brought the brokenness to him and, and begin to give it to him, he, he doesn't ruin. He heals and makes all... There is a, 
there is a passage in the 13th chapter, chapter of John in this um, installment of Rescue Me. And if we are in the business of uh, salvation present, you know, we, are, we, we were saved, that salvation passed. It's called regeneration. We are being saved at salvation present. We are, uh, we call that sanctification. We are being saved. And then there is salvation future. We will be saved. You endure to the end, the same will be saved. And uh, that's called uh, redemption or, or the coming of the Lord. It's called many things. Redemption is probably the most commonly used word. So that's what we're talking about in this series, and we're in the middle part, salvation present. And in John 13, we read this. Jesus is being spoken of here. He came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Jesus replied, you do not realize now what I am doing, but later you will understand. No, said Peter, you shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered, unless I wash you, you have no part with me. Peter, so like some of us, then Lord, Simon Peter replied, not just my feet, but my hands, my head as well. <clears throat> Jesus answered, a person who's had a bath needs only to wash his feet. His whole body is clean and you are clean, though not every one of you. And of course, he was talking there about uh, Judas Iscariot, that last phrase. But here's the picture, Jesus, night before he died, the night he was betrayed, uh, they were in this room. I've uh, been provided for them for this uh, Passover, the, the first installment of a week's worth of festivities built around uh, the Passover festival. And uh, so they had everything there, but the slave provided to wash the feet. Now, these guys went to the public bath and uh, had a bath. And then they walked through the streets in their near barefoot condition, they probably had on sandals, some of them, some of them were probably barefooted. And so if they were going to have a really nice evening, uh, they should have had their feet washed when they came in the door and no slave was provided to do that. So Jesus gets up and uh, takes his suit coat off, wraps a towel around this toga-like undergarment that he is wearing and uh, washes, starts to wash their feet and we get to Simon Peter and that's the picture you see there. Now, what, what we have with this is very, very important for you to get. Peter said, you know, this is called pseudo-humility, if you care. He says, oh, I could never allow, it's about me, you see, I could never allow my Lord and teacher to wash my feet. What is your deal? If he wants to wash your feet, let him wash your feet. But... You know, we, we get all screwed up. And here, this is such a picture of me and you, especially you. But, but anyway, um, so Jesus just, he just lowers the boom. And he says, get it straight. I don't wash your feet. You have only 50% of me. Did you read it? You have no and, of course, this is the place where the smart aleck just comes out. What part of no 
part don't you understand? Zero percent, no part. You're not a part of this deal, buddy. Whoa. Well, Peter knows how to respond. You know, going to look good here. Well, this don't do my feet. Let's wash me all over, especially my hands and my head. And Jesus said, no, you just came from the bath. Your feet's the only thing that's dirty. Okay? And we pick this up in the, in the Old Testament. This is foreshadowed. The spirit of prophecy was speaking through the Holy Spirit in Moses. The Lord said to Moses in Exodus 30, Make a bronze basin with its bronze stand for washing. Place it at the tent of meeting and the altar and put water in it. Aaron and his sons are to wash their hands and feet with water from it. Whenever they enter the tent of meeting, they will wash with water so that they will not die. Also, when they approach the altar to minister, by presenting an offering made to the Lord by fire, they shall wash their hands and feet so that they will not die. This is to be a lasting ordinance for Aaron and his descendants for the generations to come. Now, that's a picture of what Jesus was doing that night. These guys had already had the bath, but they were to wash the last vestige of dirt off them before they came in to the holy business that they were about. Here is the picture as it has come forward. It's a lasting for all your generations. It's, it's lasted right down to today. Jesus picked it up and made it a little clearer, and uh, Peter didn't get the connection at all. But he didn't have to because Jesus explained it to him. And I'm so glad that we don't have to be theologians and we don't have to be prophets to get the word from God. I want to save you. I want to sanctify you. And ultimately, I want to redeem you. And if you don't understand that, just stick with him. You don't have to understand it. Just walk with him and he will systematically walk you through this. Now, there will be some, there will be some events in this like Peter had where it's no, no, you've already had the bath, Peter. Oh, you know, Peter's, you know, he, he, he's just screwed up. He's just about Peter and, and what place I'm going to have in the kingdom when Jesus comes to set up his kingdom or not come. They, they thought he wasn't going to leave. When Jesus sets up his kingdom, what part am I? That's what he was about. That sound familiar? A little bit selfish there. Just a little bit, about 89, 90 or 95, 98, 99% selfish, maybe 1%, 2%, maybe even 5%. Concerned about Jesus, concerned about the coming kingdom, but mostly it's about me. And uh, that's where he was, and Jesus was dealing with that, and he continued to deal with that. And if you want to read uh, the last couple chapters of John, you can see Jesus dealing with that because he had plans for Peter. He did not intend for him to stay such an ignorant jerk. Anybody know any ignorant jerks? You're probably seated by one. Or maybe they're seated by one, whichever. And the, the picture here is you don't wash your hands and feet when you come into this deal, you die. Well, it's like, okay, I think I can remember that. And if you'd remind me daily, I'd appreciate it because I don't want to die when I'm trying to do the work of God. Doesn't sound right, does it? I'm going to die? Because I didn't wash my hands. Sanctification is the picture here, and it is necessary, church. We say, once saved, always saved. And it ain't so. 
It's just untrue. It matters how you live after you get saved in the, in the past. So we will get our feet washed or the Holy Spirit will be all over us in the name of Jesus saying, I don't wash your feet. You don't have any part. Come on in. Come on in. And that's, that's what the Holy Spirit is doing in the church today as far as the salvation thing is concerned. He is saving us. Hallelujah. I'm glad. Otherwise, I couldn't make it, and you probably couldn't either. You're probably nearly as hard-headed. Uh, my wife, re, re, uh, she, she prefers the term blockheaded. You're probably nearly as blockheaded as I am. And uh, just picture, you know, a four-by-four, four, you know, one of those timbers that's just, uh, it, it, maybe it's unplaned, so it's actually four inches square, and just cut off a four-inch piece of that, and there you, there's your brain. You know, there it is. And if, that's if you're like the pastor. And um, thank God for these young pastors. By the way, Jeff's not 30, 36. He's 29. All of the pastors but me are 29. Even Craig. He doesn't look that old, but, but he's older than and marriage has really put the years on him. And, and uh, especially being a father. And, and, of course, I'm 39, so, you know, I'm the oldest. And no. They're tw yeah, they're 29, I'm 39. I, I, I forget. Uh, that happens sometimes. But anyway, here we are trying to be saved. And what, you see, what we want now, what the Holy Spirit has come to do since Jesus left the earth physically and, and he gives his spirit to us when we are born again. That's not the baptism of the Holy Spirit, but the Holy Spirit comes and lives in our hearts, lives in our lives to work this sanctification, this being saved in us until we die or the Lord comes back. And John 10.10 10 says, in the words of Jesus, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I am come that they may have life and have it to the full. It is the will of God for us to be so full of joy, full of the Spirit, being continually healed Everything from spirit, soul, body, things social, the interpersonal relationships, uh, thing about our, our job, our profession, things about the, the ministry the Holy Spirit wants to work through us to give to the church body and to the world. All of that stuff is what the Holy Spirit is doing today in the church. And Jesus came to give us life and life to the full is a, is a good translation. I like to say it, life with a capital L. Because it goes into every part, even the material part. And the Lord just says, come on, walk with me. Or, or to go back to our first scripture text, just sit there or lie there. They were actually reclined on a couch at the table. And their feet were sticking out here where they were easy to get to. He says, just stay there and let me wash your feet. Now, that sounds almost too passive, but it gets active later. So, um, as, as in the prophetic thing from Exodus, where Aaron and his sons had to wash their hands and feet. Um, now, we say a lot around here about foot washing, meaning serving other people. Because Jesus said... When he got through washing these feet. Do you know what I've just done? 
and they lied and said yes. Because they, they were just, maybe they did, maybe 10%, 5% comprehension makes it not a lie to say that, but whatever. Jesus was demonstrating that the first shall be last. Now, the reason I am comfortable saying they lied when they said, yes, we know, is that they did not understand that the first is going to be the last, the slave is going to be the ruler of all, or said another way, the ruler of all is going to be the slave. That doesn't make sense. Is that, that's called, if you wonder what a good definition of counterintuitive is, that's a good definition of counterintuitive. But just stay in the boat, stay with Jesus, don't worry about the, the business of... Uh, getting this all figured out theologically because it's not about theology. It's about a relationship with God Almighty. Through Jesus Christ, by the power of the Holy Spirit, and it's working in us here and now. You may be concerned about the economic situation in our country or in the whole world, about the political situation in our country or in the whole world or in the respective nations of the world, that stuff is, of course, important to our physical life, but it is not vital. The only thing that is vital to the people of God is the relationship with God. And when we have that, and I was watching, I was watching this morning during the worship, I peek. Two reasons to do that. I want to know how some of you who I, I know you're in pain. I know crises have come into life, you know, never get just a crisis. Wouldn't that be great if you just had one problem? They come in lumps. And so you get a series of crises. And I know about some of those things in your lives. And so if I know that if you worship, you get focused on the Lord and the pressure of the moment goes away and the faith rises that God is greater than your troubles. And I see you pressing on. And I was watching some of you. That's the first reason I watch. The second reason I watch is that I need somebody to lead me in worship. And that's not to, that's not to take away the power of Jeff and Mary and all of these incredible vocalists and the other instrumentalists that help us so powerfully and so effectively. They are wonderful. You lead me to worship better than they do. And I look back and and see some of you that I know are in pain, and you're just getting it on with Jesus. What am I going to do? I'm going to get it on, honey. I'm, I'm not quick, but I'm not that slow, you know. I know that that's, that's real, and it's wonderful, and it works. And you didn't know you were my worship leader. Well, some of you are not. So. <laughs> just for the record. We talk about washing feet and serving others because that's what Jesus did. And he said, as I have washed your feet, so you should wash each other's feet. That's real. That's why we talk about it. We go to Ephesians, the second chapter, where it talks about we were saved by grace through faith. And it's not from us. It's a gift from God. And then the next line is that we were saved to do good works that God established before he made the world. It's so... That's why we talk about that, and we will continue to. However, how can we get our own feet washed? Because every one of us bring wounds and needs with us when we come to Jesus. To change the figure, we use the term baggage. They have a lot of baggage from that horrible divorce they went through or that awful 
uh, abuse they took when they were very, very young and so defenseless. Uh, we use the term issues to change the figure again, and they have, they have issues, we say. Well, no one is free from that stuff. Uh, so what we have to have is problems that are healed. We have to have God helping us. And uh, we need to have our feet washed by Jesus to be truly able and free to do the works that we were saved to do. Does that make sense? Now, we, we come then as wounded healers, to use that figure. We bring the wounds with us. And one of the greatest ways to get those healed is to minister to, is to wash feet, to change the figure again. Watch me, boy, I'm, these metaphors are coming thick and fast this morning. Keep, keep your track shoes on mentally, um, if that's possible. But um, we, we want personal healing. This is an important part of being saved. God saves us after he saves us. And Jesus said it like this in Matthew 11. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Anybody tired? Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Now, you see that it's, this is not heaven where we don't know what we'll be doing except the glorious job of worshiping God. We don't know about other chores, but we have chores to get done here. We were saved to do good works. And there, so there is a burden to carry, and there, there are chores to do. Jesus said, your stuff, when it starts to break you down, when your burden is so heavy, it will break you down. When your work is so hard, you can't get it done well and stay healthy or get it done in a day, whichever would be the best way to say it's not happening. When that happens to you, come to Jesus. He says, learn about me. You'll learn about meekness. You'll learn about humility is, is the word that's kind of meekness and lowliness. I'm meek and lowly and hard. That humility is that which says, I will do God's will instead of my own will. That's true humility. Jesus demonstrated that uh, after he washed the feet that night, that very same night, he demonstrated that in the garden when he prayed, not my will, yours. Now, that was after he had said, Father, let's negotiate. There's got to be some way we can do this in a different way. Is there, is there any way? Isn't there some way? Please let there be some way that I can do what you want done and not drink this cup. Now, if you think he was just, that was just an exercise so that we could know about humility, get over it because he knew there was no other way. But everything in him was crying out, Father, there's got to be another way because he looked at my sins and he looked at your sins in that cup and he says, his, everything about him except his spirit said, no way. No, I'm not going there. Well, then he demonstrated humility. And it, it's just in this phrase. This is, this is the definition of humility. Not my will, but yours be done. Like he taught us to pray in the, the prayer we call the Lord's Prayer, or in liturgical circles, the Our Father 
He taught us to pray, will of God be done in earth as it is in heaven. But there's times when that doesn't feel good. It doesn't, it doesn't look good. There's nothing appealing about it to us. We do not want it. And we're going to say, no, 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 no. But he says, when that happens, here's what you do. You take a half a step back and you say, wait a minute, Father. I know what needs to be done. And so it's not my will. It's yours that we're going to do. Now, he didn't get that done in just one run through. It is my opinion that, that he had to pray through, which could have taken anywhere from 15 to 60 minutes. And he had to do it three times. And I can't prove that duration. But we know that once didn't do it and twice didn't do it. He had to get it done until his flesh and, and, and it was not evil flesh. This is not an evil flesh. He was being repulsed by our evil. And his spirit was able to overcome the repulsion that, that my sin and yours created in Jesus as he looked in the cup and he was able to say, not my will, but yours be done. Now, here's what the Holy Spirit does to heal us. Jesus, the night at, that just before, just before he was praying, this not my will but thine, as the King James says it, but yours be done. He, he was praying and he says, my prayer, Father, is not that you take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one. They are not of the world, even as I am not of it. Sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. So he uses the word of God to heal us. Sanctify is the word we're talking about. Sanctification is the, is the growing of the grace of God, the knowledge of God, the, the holiness of God in us. And this heals those old wounds. You like the figure of baggage. Slowly but surely, he comes over as a bellman or a porter and takes the bags out of our hand that we walk in and we can barely lift them, but we, we, we insist on taking them everywhere we go. Slowly but surely, the Holy Spirit takes those things away from us. If we will stick with Jesus, stick with Jesus. Now, sometimes he does a very quick work. And there will be probably once in your life when you bring this significant uh, cartload of baggage on. You don't have a cart. You're carrying it all yourself. And he just sets it aside. But usually it's one bag at a time over time. We, we, you know, it's like sign me up for that quick stuff. But um, the Lord knows what will work best for us and get the, the most effect of Christ being formed in us. And so he, he does the loving thing. And, and it really will be the shortest possible time that he can get what he intends to get formed in us, formed in us. Did you follow that? Okay. Now, here's the picture. Jesus comes and says, come over here. So the steps that the Lord uses, number one, he comes to us to wash feet as he did at the, at the, uh, uh, when he announced the new covenant, communion. Then he also says, not only I'm coming to you, you come to me and bring this load, it's breaking you down. 
In one of the uh, Pauline epistles, in, in a chapters that are uh, consecutive, it says, bear one another's burdens. Next chapter it says, every man shall carry his own load or burden. And as people say, what? What is this? What? Well, it's two different words. The English is, is not as, as good for the translation of Scripture as the Greek. And so that first one, where you bear one another's burdens, that's the burden that will break you down. We have to help each other. And one of the ways God heals us is through each other. And if we're pure in our spirit and pure in our heart and love people enough to not only carry them, but when the moment is right, to also challenge them to go to the next step, that will bring forth power and life. Then the next chapter where it says everybody carries his own load that's the burden of Jesus it's not enough to break you down there is a load that you can carry all day it's according to your physical strength but we're talking physical now for illustrative purposes there is a load that you can carry all day it won't hurt your joints it won't it won't pull muscles and you'll be fine at the end of the day but there are, there are loads that will break you down I have a colleague um, who had in his congregation a gal who led the, the prayer ministry and she was kind of a prophet and I, I have had the privilege of being good friends with this minister and, and had the interesting privilege of meeting members of his congregation and this gal was, was pure in her spirit. She, really, she led that prayer group and I'm really, really critical about people uh, who pray for pastors because I just, I don't want any knives in there. I don't want any rebellion in there. You gonna pray for the pastor? Pray for the pastor. Well, this gal was like that. But the Holy Spirit would show her stuff. And so she went to the pastor. She didn't tell the prayer group. She told the pastor some stuff that would strengthen him and, and, and help him. And here is, here is what he said. She did this more than once. Every time she talked to me, all I could hear was my mother yelling at me in the trailer house where I grew up. And eventually he was able to get her out of his congregation. What a relief. But as you see, to use the term we like today, she, he had issues and his prayer leader didn't have issues. He had issues. He's the one that brought mom into that conversation. She didn't. Are you hearing me? Now, that's, that's the kind of stuff I'm talking about. We bring stuff with us that just messes up the gifts that God will give us. Just messes it up. And the Holy Spirit would like to heal that. Now, to my knowledge, that gentleman has never gotten healed, but I'll bet you a nickel that that whole thing is going to be set up again and come around so that he gets to take mom out of the equation and let her go back in the past where she belongs and let her holler at somebody else and let him hear what the Spirit is saying. You say, well, if you're going to talk to me, you better be perfect. Get over that! 
Unless you're listening to the Holy Spirit, you're not going to get anyone perfect speaking to you. You disqualify yourself from any teaching or any sermon if you're looking for perfection. And I, that is in no way to say it's okay for those of us who teach and preach to be sloppy in our lifestyle. But honey, if you haven't noticed, we will fail you. Sometimes it's because we don't like you. No, that's, that's the way it feels, doesn't it? We really like to be totally free from the baggage, but we're in the same condition that my colleague that I just mentioned is. We have stuff that we brought with us, and if God helps us, we're laying it aside week by week, month by month, year by year. I hope that is happening in my life. I want it so much, and I want it for you. And God intends for us to get purer and simpler and more powerful in our faith, having our feet washed by the Holy Spirit and that, that thing being strengthened by the, what God does through the church. And so the Lord sanctifies. He protects us. He, he keeps us from the evil one, as Jesus prayed there in John 17. And then in 2 Timothy 3, we read, mark this. There will be terrible times in the last days. People will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, without love, unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not lovers of the good, treacherous, rash, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying its power. Now, that's an awful, awful picture. How's that going to heal us? The last line is, have nothing to do with them. Now, if you're going to win people to Jesus, you're going to have to love them in the sense of reaching out and washing their feet in some way. But do not allow any of them, nothing of their life, to get into you. Allow nothing of them in. Nothing. What about, what is it about nothing that you don't understand? Have nothing to do with them. Do not let that in your heart. That's good preaching, church. And that's one of the ways God will sanctify us is to teach us that the approval of people that he's trying to get saved is not important to us except that they need to be tolerable of us if we're the ones that are going to bring them the message of life in Jesus Christ. So you, you guard yourself in the sense of reaching out in the neighborhood, in the family, in the uh, marketplace, wherever you are, uh, ball field, where, wherever you find yourself, kids in the classroom, all over the place. You guard yourself so that you will not be disqualified as someone to love these people into the kingdom of God. But you must, must have nothing to do with them in the sense of all of that awful lifestyle. James one twenty seven. Religion that our God, that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless, is this. To wash orphans and widows' feet and keep oneself from being polluted by the world. And that would go back to 2 Timothy 3. And then James again, and I love James because you do not have to be a theologian. If you can understand clear language, you don't even have to read it. Just have someone read it to you. He will, he will speak to you. You adulterous people, 
clear, huh? Don't you know that friendship with the world is hatred toward God? You say, I'm, I don't commit adultery. Well, I hope not. God bless you. But if you love the approval of the world and you play with their stuff and want them to think you're cool, anyone who chooses to be a friend of the world becomes an enemy of God or commits adultery with the world because you really belong to Jesus Christ. Now that's clear. That is so clear, it hurts. But that's how God wants to get through to you. He doesn't want this to be hard to understand. Separate, you say, that's, that is hard. No, it's not, it's, not hard. it's not hard to understand, it's just hard to do. Separate yourself from the world, it's like, but I like that. I enjoy doing that. I want their approval. They, we have fun. But you won't get healed there. And it may be something that the Lord is saying, for you, you can't even do that. You can't, it's just not available. We'll minister on this next Sunday if the Lord wills. We're going to talk about uh, our liberty in Christ and how to manage that for the greatest good of the kingdom of God. But God intends for us to be healed so that we come out of this. Here's the picture. Don't ever forget this picture. When we come out of this, we're going to look like Jesus. Because he was whole. He was wounded and wounded and wounded and wounded. And he just got healed and healed and healed and healed. I cannot imagine the pressure that Jesus was under. It, it does not... It, it's, it's like... I would have killed him because when he started in the ministry, right away, they organized a contingent of Pharisees to follow him, not just down around Jerusalem in, in the south, but all over Galilee, they, they did a tag team thing that these guys followed him today, and then the next team followed him the next day, and they picked on every word he said. That would drive me crazy. First of all, they're just stupidly wrong. They are spiritually blind. They are wrapped up in self, and they could do well with a swift slug to the chops. And that sounds good to me. And Jesus never hit him in the mouth. It's amazing. But he was wounded and wounded and wounded and wounded. And he was healed and healed and healed and healed. And he did not speak except what he heard the Father say. And he did not do except what he saw the Father do. To the extent that he could say and did so, when you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Now that's what God wants for us all. And I hope you're closer to that than the day you got saved. If you're not, there are many terms for that. Uh, recessive, regressive, retarded, I, you know, whatever. A lot of words. But the will of God is to take you up onto his lap. And so let's go back to Matthew 11. Come unto me, all you who are overworked and overloaded, and I'll give you rest. Man, come on, you know, just come on. And what I want us to do now, first of all, 
to you who are not walking with the Lord. Thank you for coming today. We're so glad to have you and honored that you're here. We want you to know this, that God gave his one and only son. He so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that if you'd believe in him, you wouldn't have, you wouldn't have to die. You wouldn't perish, but have eternal life. He's just, he's just trying to get you in. And if you feel like God has got a big club and he's after you and he's pursuing you, just if you slow down long enough, he's going to swat you and you, it'll be all over. The only, you're all wrong about that except the fact that he is pursuing you. And if you'll slow down enough, he'll get his arm around you and he'll begin to sweep you up onto his lap to forgive your sins, to heal your guilt, to give you a new lifestyle that looks more like Jesus month by month by month by month. And that's the will of God. May we pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, we bless this congregation and those that are not walking with you, would you draw them into yourself in Jesus' name. Save them today in the sense of regeneration. May they leave here made new with the Holy Spirit dwelling in them through the new birth. Please remain with your heads bowed. If you need to come to the Lord in that way, you need to get right with God in that way, would you just raise your hand? Just, just raise it up right where you sit. God loves you more than I can describe, more than I can communicate. Just, um, just hold it up until I acknowledge it. Just raise your hand. God loves you so much. It is incredible how he really is to us. All right. Church, look up here at me, please. The... Uh, if you're not walking with the Lord and you didn't respond then, if you did respond, I didn't see you. I want you to know that God loves you and he's out to get you, but it's not with that club thing. It's with this love that pulled you right up where he can begin to make you completely new. He'll make you new immediately in the sense of making you alive in the Holy Spirit. And then he'll begin this process that just will present you looking like Jesus when you stand in his presence. That's, that's the will of God. He intends to just bless you. You know, some of you may have habits. You, you belong to the Lord already, but, but there's stuff that you really wish you could just lay down. Addictions. Uh, you have behavioral patterns that are destructive. Man, I want you to know that he loves you. You say, he couldn't love me. I've asked, I've told him I was going to quit this a thousand times and I've never quit it. And, well, he can't love somebody like that. And, you see, right away we run out of stuff, except we just re repeat the old stuff. And that's not the Holy Spirit. And it may not even be you, it may be the devil. There is an enemy who's trying, he's called the accuser. And he accuses you to you. He also accuses you to God. Jesus is there to guard that part of it and the Holy Spirit will come here to guard you against the accuser but there is also deliverance from that stuff but you can't do it yourself you've already proven that haven't you we, we can agree about that 
But you don't have to, you see, because we have somebody who is on our team, who is a specialist. If you ever need an attorney, get an attorney, man. They're cheap if you need one. And that's kind of the way the Holy Spirit is. He is cheap, and you do need him. And he will walk you through this, this accuser business until when the enemy accuses you of something, you can say, huh? Because it's not even really there anymore. Anybody ever experienced that? You ever, anybody ever have an experience like that? It's just like, I used to be tied up with that and it's not the same anymore. Nobody. <laughs> All of us who've walked with the Lord very long have these testimonies. Now I want to, I want to do something this morning. I, I am handed from, from our services the prayer request, especially on Wednesday night. I get several, but also through the week. And then uh, last uh, week at Heart to Heart, Eunice had the gals. There were so many huge needs that she just had them put on, on pieces of paper and brought them to me. And I said, would you please pray over these every day? And I said, yes, but I thought, you know, I'm going to get some help with this. And I have here the last batch of, or two or three batches of prayer needs that have come in through the offerings and, and that way when we get from our services. And then I have this batch from Heart to Heart last Tuesday. And I'm going to pray for these. And some of you, it may not be a personal thing at all in the sense of a, a personal problem, baggage. It may not be a baggage thing. You may be just uh, struggling with the fear of that your kid's going to go to hell. They won't live right. Or, you know, whatever it is, there are, there are people that are waiting the report of biopsies in this room. And boy, is that threatening. It may be nothing. Or it could be a, a, a death sentence. We don't know. And I want us to pray. I'm going to ask Barry and Kelly and Eunice, and, and I'd like some of our, our prayer team to join me. And we're going to gather around these as, uh, as they lead us in worship. In just a moment, I'll ask them to come. And if you would like to just come and pray, or, or you would like someone to pray for you, perhaps you should have raised your hand a while ago to indicate that you need to start a walk with God through Jesus Christ. You, you can come on down here when these other people come. We're not trying to embarrass you. That's, that's not the way you're saved. You're not saved through embarrassment. But I want you to know, if, if it were a cost, it would be incredibly worth it suffer some embarrassment to get eternal life in Christ Jesus but that's not our goal we just we just want to strengthen you and get you on a walk with God that will take you through may we stand and uh, the the other uh, pastors spouses and some prayer team along with these I've named would you would you guys come and just begin to surround this this stack of, of needs here prayer team members and uh, anyone that needs prayer, you just, you just come on forward and uh, you can kneel and pray or you can, you can stand and we will come to you and, and lay hands on you and God is going to do some stuff.
of this healing thing. Come unto me, all you that are overloaded and overworked, and I'll give you rest. That's the call this morning. God bless you as you come.